My guest this week is Gabriel Say, a proud father of two who describes himself online as the active black dad. In our conversation, we covered so much, including the importance of creating a legacy, health and fitness, how a huge home renovation project has caused Gabriel and his family to adopt a slightly unorthodox living setup. And we also discussed his personal experiences with mental health. This conversation was really refreshing for me because it was great to learn a bit more about the man behind the Instagram squares that I've seen for so many years. So here it is, episode four of the Diary of a Dad podcast with Gabriel Say. Gabriel, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How you doing, man? I'm very well, very well. I'm so glad that we finally got to, to talk. It's um, It's been one of these interesting ones for me because you're one of these people that I've spoken to on social media for years, I think yeah. now. We've not actually met in person, but I feel like I know you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, and yeah, it's it's just it's it's nice now. I mean, I know I know we're doing this virtually, but I feel like we're getting even closer. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm really excited to to have this chat. It's obviously, all things fatherhood, and I know that you will have plenty to say on the topic. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been pumped for this as well. It's it's nice to. When you sent me the email, it was, it was it was refreshing to kind of have an opportunity to talk to other dads, mm. and um, you know, just everyone needs to pick everyone's brains because I think sometimes we feel like we're in our own bubble, yeah, and then you realize that oh right, you do that too. Oh, you're feeling like that as well, and then it just it normalizes it a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, I think this is a good project. Amazing. Well, I'm definitely glad to have you as part of it. What I do with all of the guests, just by literally, I guess, a way of introduction and almost setting the scene is, is taking it right the way back. Tell me, what was life like for a young Gabriel Say? <laughs> well, way back. We're going way, way back. Way back. Now. Let's go back to the, let's okay. go right the way back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always been a, I think I've always been a very headstrong my mum calls me stubborn, um, hard-headed because I'm Aries. So it's like, I'm always ready to butt heads. And I think that's kind of always been my, actually, yeah, thinking about it now, it's always been my mantra kind of growing up. Um, I've always wanted to kind of do things my way. Mm. Um, and now seeing that in the boys now, is just, is is wild. <laughs> um, yeah, I've just... I've always been active. Like I've always, I've just always wanted to do things. I think mm. my parents always thought before that, you know, I jump into one thing and then I'd get bored and jump into another. And it was like, I just, I want to experience a lot. Mm. Um, sometimes that comes at my own detriment where it's like, I, I set myself back in certain things because I'm trying to do too much. But mm. then I feel like the only way that I've managed to find myself to, to be, who I am now is by trying loads of different things and realizing that, yeah, I tried that, didn't like it. I tried that. I love that. And it's the experience has, has molded me and molded my character. Mm. It's a blessing and a curse being like that, isn't it? Because like you say, you, you want to try new things. And I, I've thought that about myself sometimes, 
particularly in business, there's, there's been ideas mm. that I've had over the years where I'm like, oh, that's, that's the business for me. That's the one that's going to be successful. I think about it for so long, don't got, quite get it off the ground or get it off the ground, but don't stick around with it long enough to know if it was ever going to be majorly successful. It's, um, yeah, I know that annoys my wife a little bit. <laughs> but she's very supportive she's very supportive of, uh, of, mo- of most of my ventures um i'm sure if she starts her own podcast one day she'll she'll tell everybody about all of the failed projects that, that are sitting in our garage um so do you have any siblings uh yeah older sister and younger brother okay so one of three and with that sort of family setup then again i know interestingly when you talk to most guys they just say that growing up they didn't really think of you know, life beyond their teens and, you know, starting a family and things like that. But do you ever remember thinking about one day having your own family? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think like seeing, seeing my mom and dad and their dynamic and like um, all my aunties and uncles and stuff, it's, it's always been, it's always kind of been the goal is like to Mm. find the right person to settle down with and then have kids and, like one big thing in my family is legacy right. and my dad has drilled it from from day one he's like he wants to leave a legacy onto us and like that instilled in my brain that I need to leave a legacy for them mm. um so it's something that not just kind of like my name in lights but um more so for something that they can continue with so right. they don't they don't need to be involved in anything I do but they they can take something and be like okay wow this has been given to me this is what and I can choose how I want to proceed with what I've been given um yeah so yeah always always been on the cards and I I think that's where like when I entered relationships I was always looking for that and that (laughs) don't do that (laughs) don't do that (laughs) If you're one of those guys that wears your heart on your sleeve and you're looking for, you know, the the, the one every single time, it's it's almost like a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Yeah. You're gonna get and then you're looking at it and you're like, no, but they tick this box. <laughs> they tick this box. And then there's one big red flag where you're like, no, no, forget about that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, relate. I tell you, we were talking to a friend the other day and just saying, you know, like, she's dating at the moment and you know she's she's in her 30s and we were just the stories that she tells me i'm just like i said i looked at sophie and i just said i'm so glad that we're not in that world anymore i feel like we would just i feel like i would just get chewed up and completely spat out if i was uh, having to go through all of that again now uh the dating scene is not the one no, no, not not in 2022. There are there are far no. too many rules, far too many rules, <laughs> and things are ever changing. So there's no way there's no way of keeping up, which is which yeah. is also the challenge. So you knew then that family was on the cards one day, and how long was it then before you eventually found the one? Um. So what was it? 2012. So I entered the the official dating scene kind of at uni so right. that was 2003 and had like girlfriends you know did my uni thing I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna divulge information on don't, that don't, but... don't discriminate yourself here <laughs> yeah it's not what we're <laughs> um but then yeah I left uni and then I was with the girl that I that I was with at uni and that kind of 
that was just a roller coaster in itself. And then decided to end it. And then it was really random how Naisha and I met. Like the whole night, the whole sequence of events just blows my mind to this day. Mm-hmm. So I was I was with my friend Rakesh and he was like, yo, let's go out. We're like, okay, call Maria. She's one of our friends as well. Like, let's all go out. And then we're like, let's go to a club in Brixton. At this time, I was working in recruitment and I'd, I got good bonuses and that. I had my BMW. I was like, yeah, I'm going to take, I'm going to, you know, pull up out. I had this whole vision of like pulling up, up out, out, outside the club and being like, yeah, 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 I'm whipping it. Then <laughs> we parked at her place and it was snowing. Came outside, ready to go. My car wouldn't start. I was like, yo, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're foiling the plan. You're foiling the plan. So then I was checking it, checking it. I was like, oil's fine. Everything's fine. And then Maria was like, just take my mum's flipping Vauxhall Sephira. I was like, yo, <laughs> we're going to have to park around the corner with this one. <laughs> so <then laughs> we got to the club. And now I always like to drive because one, then I didn't drink at all. And two, mm. it gives me control of when I want to leave. Yeah, I love that. And now the control's in her hands. Even though I drove, it's in her hands because it's her, her mum's car. So then she's off doing whatever she's doing. She's not ready to go. I was bored. I was ready to leave. And then just, just as I said, oh, I'm ready to go. Then I looked across and I saw, I saw her face first. And then I saw her shoulders. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So then I was like, Rakesh, look at that girl, look at that girl, look at that girl. Went over there. He he went and spoke to her. Whilst I was talking, I, I got distracted for a second. He's over there doing that friends thing of my friend likes you. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> but didn't come across that way. He was trying to, it came across that he's saying that he likes her. And then she was like, mm, oh. not really. And then all of that kerfuffle, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm going. Stepped outside and then this random girl at well, what I thought was a random girl at that time came up to me as we're talking outside and she was just hugged me. And I was like, okay. Then she started like rubbing me and she was like, Ooh, muscles. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Then Naisha comes out and she goes, Oh, sorry about that. That's my, that's my sister, Cherry. Oh, wow. I was like, yo, yo, yo. Okay. So then, you know, fast forward, exchange numbers, went out on our first date and that, and then yeah, the rest is history. But I was just like, she wasn't even meant to go out that night. It was very possible that I wasn't meant to go out that night. And then this one club in Brixton, which is now closed down, <laughs> we happened to meet and all of this has come from it. So yeah, it's it's wild how the world works. Amazing. And those stories are really nice, I think, when um when it's just organic like that. And you know, that's, a, that's an amazing story that you know you guys will be able to tell your kids and you know, they'll, they'll keep hearing that. It's always nice to have those, I think, those exciting stories. So when you guys got together, so you're, you finished uni at this point now. So are you already working or are you you're sort of like looking for a job? What's, what's your situation, the two of you there? When I left uni, I left uni in 2008. Um, I played American football in Finland for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, then I started an enterprise car rental as a graduate management assistant and then I was in recruitment right um and whilst I was in both those jobs actually I was already forward thinking about self-employment but that's 
for later down the line. Okay, so you're you're there. Obviously, recruitment, as as you mentioned, recruitment was kind of paying well, and you know you were you were enjoying enjoying life there. Did you did you two ever sort of sit down and have that conversation around starting a family, or was it just one of these that we're going to see how the relationship goes, and you know, kids might might come further down the line. I think with with mine and Nash's relationship as a whole, even now, is like a, a lot of it. We just we let it kind of flow, so we didn't necessarily right. talk about it, um, you know, beforehand. It was just kind of like, yeah, we should probably think about do you want to have kids, like, <laughs> and then she was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. so, so yeah, that that ball just got rolling, but yeah, we didn't really, we didn't plan like pre-plan and talk about it and say like oh how many kids do you want um I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing you know some people like to go into a relationship like cards on the table what do you want but we just Mm. we let it flow I proposed after one year (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it just felt everything felt right and we got married after two years and then it just just kept going and we just yeah just let it flow yeah, no. I, this is again talking about the dating scene in twenty twenty. I saw something. I think it was on Twitter where there was this long list, and this is what made me realize how how crazy it is out there. One of the things on there was that you should, you know, if you're going to go on that first date, you need to be having that conversation about kids. And I was like, I'm sure that's kind of put people yeah. off if you're having, you know, that level of conversation on a on a first date. It's. Um, but I feel like people are just trying to rush it now. Like people are just trying to rush everything. Yeah. Like on our first date, we went to Chiquitos and mm. all I was thinking was, rah, you can put back food. You're my kind of girl. Like that was <laughs> literally what I was thinking. I was like, we both ordered these big plates and I was like, yeah, you eat like me. And that's, you know, just, just little things. Like let's let things grow. Like everyone wants to know, you know, a, a full flipping CV, like you're applying for a hundred K job or something. And I think that it's just yeah, wild. It's- I think relationships, and again, this is probably a, we could probably do a whole other podcast on relationships. But I just, I think you know, there's there's been so much, and some would say that social media, some would, you know, there, there's lots of contributing factors. But I guess sometimes now people feel as though they know exactly what it is that they want. Whereas I think you know, when you and I were of that age where we were dating, it was just very much of figuring it out based on the individual that was kind of the only way you were going to really love without setting too many expectations um and maybe that you know i'm not saying that people today don't have fun but you know that's what we were all doing weren't we yeah. we, were, we were just going out and, and having fun and getting to know people and i think people now know too much about a person before they even meet them there's there's an opportunity to to know everything they're yeah. like okay i can go on their social media and i can just be i can stalk it for a little bit and i can understand everything about them yeah and even that's crazy because you know i guess eight nine times out of ten what you're seeing is is accurate and and whatever but there's going to be that time where what you're seeing is basically just a facade you know somebody's highlights real and if you've based your whole opinion of them purely on what you can see on social media then you know you you might be in for a bit of a surprise which is again sort of just crazy to think think about it I always say I'm glad that I sort of lived that time I mean yeah obviously we had social media but it was obviously in different forms and I'm glad that I lived a life that was pre-Instagram and you know yeah 
pre-Twitter and Facebook was there or thereabouts, but you know, so certainly the, you, the days of high five, yeah, <laughs> high exactly. five and MySpace, MySpace, and all <laughs> all of those things. You know, you but it was just it, it felt like it was used in a very different way. Um, it's it's crazy. There's a there's a whole generation of people who will actually maybe even listening to this episode who are listening going high five. MySpace, what yeah. you guys talking about? <laughs> Which is crazy because at, at 37 years old, then I'm now I, I sort of feel feel ancient <laughs> when, yeah. I, when I have those conversations. <laughs> so that's good. So you guys, uh, you, you're taking it fairly steady, but you know, you you decide fairly quickly that you know this is the one for you. You get into that relationship, and then what were the, the once obviously once you're married now, what are the plans for, for you guys there? Do you think that you wanted to start a family right away or were you sort of just gonna again go with the flow and, and see where where life took you um yeah I think after we got married I mean we got married in August then we went on our honeymoon in December and when we got back I think we both just went time for kids right but yeah so <laughs> it was yeah it was <laughs> there wasn't much like deliberation around it I think when we realized that we both agreed and we both had the same kind of principles it, it just kind of aligned and we just went through it yeah that's good and then how long was it before Elijah came along September that year so January we started trying September he was there okay wow so yeah so you, you guys, you guys didn't hang about and then do you remember, <laughs> do you remember that moment when when Elijah entered the world. Cause I, I always ask dads this and I get, I get varying responses. Yeah. I remember, I remember everything. And I know like, I don't know whether I'm just different. Um, when Naish was actually given birth, like there's me, I was, I had my glasses on that. I was ready. I was watching everything. <laughs> so I want to see everything. And yeah, when he came out, I was just like, Wow it's that instantaneous moment that like everything has officially changed. Mm. I've gone from just really just caring about, you know, us two and how we're going to live. And, you know, we have, we're doing our own thing, but we've come together and stuff to now. I have to look after this, this boy for the rest of my life. Mm. <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm always going to be worrying about it. And something that my friend said the day that he was born, actually, he was that it was a, something that his parents told him was parenthood is a life lifetime of perpetual worry. Mm. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling it now. But yeah, it's just, but it's such a, it was such a surreal feeling. And then it was nice to get that feeling again with Ezra. Mm. It was just, yeah, it's just, it's, I, I don't want any more. But it was a nice feeling. <laughs> it was a nice feeling. Too. It was a nice feeling and that's strange, isn't it? Because it sounds, when, when you talk about it like that, it sounds as though that's a lot to go through someone's head in a very, you know, short space of time. But it is true. I think if, if mm. you are in that, you, you get sort of varying varying responses to that question. Some are in complete and utter shock. I was I was in shock with, I think one of, I can't remember which one of the children. Um and then there's other occasions where I've sort of had the time to sort of take that moment in and, you know, sort of feel it and whatever. But when you are just in that room with a baby that's just arrived, 
even though it might only be a couple of minutes, it's crazy the amount of things that do start racing through your head. Because like you yeah. said, you, you remember what your parents have told you, you remember what your other friends have said, you remember something that you saw on a TV program. You know, it's there's, there's just so much that happens in that relatively yeah. short space of time. And was it, for, for you guys, did you have quite simple births or were there sort of like any complications in the room at the time that, that might have sort of distracted from that? No. All of them, both both of them were just wild. Elijah's one was, she went into labor and then we wanted a water birth. Right. So we had the room set up. She's in the water. Then the contractions were going, contractions were going. Like, cool. Um, then they stopped. And they were like, okay. So then they just, we just waited, <laughs> waited. I think it, it must have been about, it was two days in total. Wow. But then they had to induce her, induce her as well. And then um, when she actually went into labor and it, like she's before she could start pushing, she wasn't dilated enough. Right. So then they're like, oh, we're going to have to do a C-section. So the doctor's coming in with this saying, we have to do a C-section. The nurse is saying, no, 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 just wait a couple more minutes. <laughs> and then I was thinking, right, if they do a C-section, that's just going to be vexed for life. <laughs> 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 And then he's trying to force this and then she's like, no, just wait. And then finally she dilated and I was, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and then, but, but then seeing the pain that she was going through as well, because like they induced her and the contractions were wild. Like yeah. Naisha's got a strong grip. Mm. And if she wants to crush my hand, like it, it hurts. But this, when the contractions came, I was like trying to firm it. <laughs> it was tough <laughs> but yeah just for and yeah she's a trooper for that because yeah that that was a lot and it was for a prolonged amount of time as well so yeah she's a warrior yeah and it's it's i mean there's so much to be said about i don't know how much you guys did in terms of the preparation for it but it sounds like because you had you knew you wanted a water birth you obviously had that birth plan and you'd you'd gone through the process mm. of you know actually making a plan which you know some people don't and it's just so crazy that the minute you step foot through that hospital door, anything can happen to those plans. Yep. It's that's the know, plan. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I think we we had a similar thing with Arlo for for the, our first pregnant, our first birth, where that was a sort of two day situation induction, same as what you're saying there. And yeah, I think by the time he was he arrived, I think just that general relief. Of, yeah you know him being there was 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 definitely felt um but yeah I'm, I'm always intrigued to know how that how dad's actually just felt in that moment because i think it is a it's such a difficult thing to explain to other people isn't it unless yeah. you've been there it's um it, it's difficult and then that first sort of bringing baby home and getting into that whole routine again of well that new routine of of being a father how did you find that that was tough. Um, like it just, they cry so much. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just, you know, trying to, trying to find our feet, trying to um, share the load and still trying to do work. And at that time um, we were both personal training mm -hmm. and I had taken over Naisha's clients. So I had shifted all of my clients to afternoon, evening, and then I was taking on her clients you know, from 6am. So it was like, 
long days get back it's like want to spend time with the baby and then it's just like crying a lot um it was it was tough but mm. i think something that i've always said to people when they've asked me the question is not everyone's it's all about finding a system and not everyone's system is gonna work for you so someone can say oh just do xyz yeah, that doesn't necessarily work. It's 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 about taking a lot of people's thoughts and experiences and finding your yeah. system. And that's the only way that you will be able to, you know, start running things like clockwork. Yeah. And so with you being, I guess, fairly active then, because obviously you've got now your own clients plus her clients that you're also now doing, were you did you essentially go back into that pretty much as soon as Elijah was here or did you sort of like take any time out, you know, at the beginning was there, I don't know, was it a paternity leave situation or was it a bit more relaxed than that? No, we we needed the money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think there was probably like a a few days and Mm -hmm. then I had to get back and hit it. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And looking back at that, that time, because that's always an interesting one. I think I was talking to a dad just a couple of days ago and we were talking about that sort of two week period. He, he had quite an intense job and he was saying that, you know, he got that two weeks off and he was loving it. Then that time ended and he was like straight back into to work. And then he found adjusting really, really difficult. What, mm. what worked for you in that, in that time? So you, you've obviously gone back to work fairly quickly. What was, what was your system that, that you guys came up with to mean that, you know, you, you were both sharing the load essentially? I think it was it was mainly at night, um, you know, waking up for the feeds and stuff. So um, Naisha would express the milk and then I would do some of the, the night routines so she mm-hmm. could get some sleep and stuff. But taking that time off, taking two weeks off, like paternity leave and stuff. I mean, it's great to be with the family and stuff. But like you said, it probably is way, way harder to try and get back into a routine because you've taken such a hard cut Mm. and then you're thrown back in the deep end. So there isn't, unless through that period, which I feel like that might have been what happened. I'm trying to like rack my brain now. Um, Through that time, you know, clients might have been a bit quieter. So there was an opportunity to kind of gradually kind of feed it back in. Yeah. Um, And I think that that might have been what, what made things a little bit easier yeah. mentally. I guess, uh, and that's, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? So I'm guessing, I'm guessing you were self-employed train, uh, PTs at this point. Mm. So I guess, yeah, the opportunity to maybe kind of carve out your own hours or, you know, adjust things accordingly was, was, was definitely probably an easier thing. It, the night feed thing is a, is a, such an interesting one. I've really noticed it on, on my Instagram this time around, obviously we've not long ago had Zaya. And, you know, I document that I'll be up in the night feeding. I don't know what your Instagram following is like, but mine is 92% female. And (laughs) so, and there's a lot of mums that follow me. And so those, those early hours where I'm up feeding seems to be the time that everybody else is up also feeding their babies. (laughs) Um, But the one thing that seems to be very, very consistent is that, not many fathers are doing this. Did that just come natural to you? Because to me, this was just part of the routine. Like, I just thought this was just part of the routine that 
you know, we were mix feeding. So, it, it, you know, taking a bottle from day one was was never really that much of an issue. But I've just mm. always thought that feeding of a night is just something that you do. But apparently yeah. not. <laughs> like, and I find that there's, this going to open a whole can of worms. <laughs> Uh, so with Elijah, um, actually with both of them, mainly Elijah though, uh, Nigel wanted to breastfeed for, you know, quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't much expression of milk. So like she had that as her responsibility to, to feed. Right. Then when the milk started being expressed, then that's when I kind of came in and started doing certain bits. But I just, I find it weird I don't, I, I don't find it weird. I have the explanation for it. And this is what's going to open probably a whole different topic. <laughs> and that is weaponizing incompetence. Okay. There's a thing that dads do, guys in general, but mainly when they become dads, is where all of a sudden they don't know how to do things. Right. And they're like, oh, I don't know how to warm up a bottle. What, do I put it in the microwave for 10 minutes? And I'm like, <laughs> and then you ask them what their job is. Oh yeah, I lead a team of like 50 people. Yeah. But oh, I don't know how to change a nappy. Oh, silly daddy. <laughs> it's like, are you okay, bro? <laughs> but don't you think that, and I'm re- I'm really intrigued as to where a lot of this comes from because I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And I think this has been mirrored in many a conversation in the DMs at two, three in the morning when I'm clearly feeding and then I'm talking to someone who's married to someone who doesn't feed and has never fed in the night. And I think what you're saying is, is true there, but where do you think that that comes from? Do you think it's like just this, because I, I think it's maybe this like archaic version of what a dad should do or, you know, dad goes out and works, mum's at home looking after the kids. I mean, I, I don't know. Is it is it that in its simplest form? That's where it stemmed from. Mm. And then media made it worse. Right. I watch cartoons and stuff and it just, it infuriates me. The dad is always the idiot. Yeah. But the dad is always the one that says, oh, I'm going to bring the money home. And it's yeah. like, so how can you be an idiot, but be able to like, you know, I think it was when I was watching Peppa Pig and there was like, oh, silly daddy. Yeah. You know, the dad's the only, he's always a silly one. Like all he knows how to do is play. Like there's never any like lessons that are being taught or, yeah. um, you know, consoling or, you know, stuff that people would deem as the mother's job. Mm. And that's being forced down your throat all the time through all of these media platforms and outlets and stuff. And it's just like, it just... It's taken what is such an archaic um, depiction of family life mm. and then you're just making it worse whilst people are trying to break that down at the same time. It's just counterintuitive. Exactly. It's funny because people would say, oh, it's only a cartoon or, you know, don't. I know people that, I know in certain households, programs like Peppa Pig or The Simpsons are banned because purely because of the way in which like the dad was portrayed. And, you know, some yeah. say that it kind of does rub off, you know, people start thinking that that's, that's how things are in their family. But you're right. It's, it, I mean, I just find it very confusing because for me, I think it's the least that I can be doing, you know, getting up to do a feed in the night is, is, is almost yeah. the least. And I know that there are different circumstances. You're right. I think it does open a can of worms because there are people out there who have, 
you know, very high pressure jobs and you mm. know, need their sleep. And yes, I guess if dad is the one that's going out to work and is the sole, you know, breadwinner for the family, then maybe that is kind of prioritized in terms of the, the sleeping department. Um, but it, it's, it's a subject that will always fascinate me. Um, yeah. Because I think it's, I'm just of the opinion you should take turns where possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just about doing what you can when you can. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's where everyone has to figure out, as you said, it's the system. It's what works for you. Yeah. Some, uh, interestingly, I was having a conversation with one lady and she was saying that actually, while she's not overly keen that that's how their setup is in that she's doing all of the night fees, she said, actually just knowing that her husband doesn't do well on less sleep, actually for the dynamics of their family, the relationship, you know, the working life, the, you know, just home life in general, that's something that she was prepared to sort of deal with for that. And I think, again, that's why I can't sort of, I can't overly criticize a man that says that he can't do it. Um, but yeah. I'm just always, I'm just, I've just always been intrigued because uh, I'm always interested to hear how other dads have kind of dealt with that situation. If you're just honest and just say, like you said, I can't function without sleep. Mm. And this job is is kicking my ass right now. Like I yeah. need to get my sleep. Not, oh, I don't really know how to do that. You might as well do it. It's like, let's just, that, that honesty just needs to transcend through everything. Because if the tables turn for whatever reason, mm. and then suddenly the, bit, the breadwinner is now the opposite, mm. then what are you going to do? You don't have that excuse. Whereas, you know, if you're just straight up front, I, I'm tired. I need to be up early. I have these meetings. I need to do this and that communication and your, your personal system. And I think that's the key. Com- communication is, is just the key for any relationship anyway, isn't it? And even yeah. more so when a child comes into the mix, there are so many things that as guys, we maybe hold back from saying or, or doing. Um, and I always think, I mean, I should be fairly experienced at this now, but even still, you know, there are still things that you sort of just keep in a little bit. But yeah. then I just always think, well, if she was doing that as well, then that's like kind of the worst scenario to be in. Yeah. <laughs> Two people that have got something to say, but no one wants to say it. Yeah. It's just, you know, you, yeah, that, that's just a, a real, real cause for frustration. So the only advice that I ever offer on this, this whole topic of night feeds when people are in the DMs moaning about it is, have you spoken to to him about it? Because yeah. that that might just be, you know, the, the thing. He may not even know if, if he's come home from day one and been allowed to just sleep in, then yeah. why, why is he going to change that? So it's uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's such an interesting one. So you've obviously got through the, you know, you get through those early days and, you know, you're, you're, you're raising a child. And do you remember at that point feeling as though you wanted to sort of build the family even more? Um, or again, was it just one of these that we're going to see how it goes? Just go with the flow. After Elijah, Nigel was like, no, not doing this again. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> and they were just like, we'll see how it goes. And then as the years got on, I think when he got to about two, right. and she was like, um, he probably needs a sibling. But mm. I think it was like, because there was some trauma attached to Elijah's birth. Yeah. It was like, do I really want to go through that again? 
as opposed to I don't want another child. So, you know, that's, that's where for me, I just, you know, step back. I knew that I wanted multiple, but I stepped back and like respected that position mm. because I understood it. Um, yeah. You know, I saw everything that she went through. And then when it came to it and she was like, yeah, he probably needs a sibling. And we're like, okay, cool. Then it was when, like, right. don't want it now. Like, should we leave a gap? Do we, do we, is it necessary to leave a gap? How big a gap do we leave? And yeah, that's when those questions started. And it's always that, that conversation. I mean, we were of the mindset. I didn't want to get out of baby mode to go back into it. So I didn't yeah. want to, I didn't want to get, you know, my sleeping routine all back to normal and, you know, then have to upheaval that all again. Um, which is why we had Arlo and Myla in quite quick succession and then decided the same mm. thing again. Um, but obviously that doesn't, <laughs> that, that doesn't work for, that doesn't work for everyone. And, and most people are like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to get some sleep. I'm going to, you know, I want a child that's a little bit older, that's able to help. So you guys, yeah. so you had Elijah and in between Elijah and Ezra, you guys did actually suffer a miscarriage, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember? Because um, you were 14 weeks, I think from- I think it was, yeah. I think it was about around that, yeah. Around 14 weeks. Um, How did that guy- I think I kind of erased that a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, the, I was going to say, it's whenever you, and it's interesting when you mentioned the word trauma earlier, I think when you go through something difficult like that, it's quite surprising how the memories of it, you, you'd think you have vivid memories of certain things, but I don't know if it's just like this coping mechanism that we have sometimes, but you do sort of tend to distance things. You know, you can't quite mm. remember the dates or the times or, or, or things like that. Yeah. Bearing in mind that you got, you guys, you mentioned you'd had some trauma with the childbirth of the first, and now you're going through this, this miscarriage situation. Do you remember how that made you feel as, as, a, as a father? It, thinking about it now, it, it hit me. It hit me harder for one specific reason. So, the day of, I can't remember. There was, it wasn't a scheduled appointment, right? Um, but I was in East London. I was actually picking up a, a bigger car because I was like, "Oh, we're going to need a a bigger car for the two two kids." Mm -hmm. um, so I was in East London and then she was like, she's going into hospital because I think there was a little bit of bleeding or something. She said, oh, it's probably not an issue. Mm. And I was like, okay, hopefully it's nothing. It's not going to be anything. So she was in there and found out by herself. Right. And that, that hit me like really hard. It, like as a dad, as a husband, I was just like, I felt so rubbish like the for a while and you know we had told everyone we had done the you know i'd been filming little bits like obviously like i hadn't put anything out but i was like putting a, like a, my own diary together yeah of like conception and you know um after trying for a few times and finally getting that the line on the mm -hmm. uh, pregnancy test and telling certain like family members and stuff and then um yeah then that happened yeah. And then I wasn't even there to kind of share the burden. Um, yeah. And I think you're, you're definitely not alone in that scenario, in that situation. And I think 
it's so interesting. This is why I want to have, this is why I wanted to have these conversations actually with, with yeah. dads, because there's so much of, of these conversations that happen from the mother's side. And, you know, we've all heard of it, of a mother being in the room and being told alone. You just don't always think about how that would make the dad feel. Especially if like, if, if it wasn't me, I think it was slightly, slightly worse because I was, I was going to get something which probably could have waited. Yeah, you saw. Um, yeah. But then, like, if I was in a high-pressure nine-to-five job and then I get home to hear it, like, I, w- <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Because, it, I mean, people yeah. say, oh, where's the dad? It's like, well, you know, it's a 10 o'clock appointment. Like, you, you can't expect them to be there as well. Can't expect them to be everywhere. So it's, you know, that, that would, yeah. I can empathize with people that have in that situation yeah it's it is really challenging and there's i mean there's so much to be said around obviously in this scenario you guys you know as you said it wasn't even a routine appointment and you know you go into hospital and how many of us have done that you know just just for that reassurance almost that everything's okay and then you know to, to walk away with with that how one thing that I know you've spoken very openly about on on social media is mental health, and how what what's been your sort of situation when it comes to dealing with with mental health? I mean, is it something that you've you are constantly dealing with? Is it are there certain things that have triggered maybe issues with with mental health? How, how 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 do you relate to that topic of mental health? I guess is is the question. Um, it's been ongoing. I mean, I had a little meltdown yesterday, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's it's been around for a while. And I think coming from an African household, mm-hmm. um, it often gets dismissed, right? Um, and I think when I was leaving home and going to uni and being, you know, independent from quite a young age in terms of like trying to make my own money and do things like that. It it kind of made me look at the world differently. Right. Um, and then in uni it's kind of like really started to cement things and help me understand things. And yeah, I mean, I only realized what a flipping panic attack was when, when was that? It must've been about nine years ago. Right. Like, heart starts racing can't breathe properly and I'm just like oh I don't know what that is and then realize <laughs> that the, the whole time that's been happening it's been um anxiety yeah. um, so I've spoken about that a few times and I think that's part of what I use my platform for is to not necessarily try and teach people because I don't know the answers mm. I can only go off what my experience is and how mm. I've how I've dealt with it and, you know, just being, a lot of it is just down to being okay with feeling a certain way. Yeah. And letting that, you know, acknowledging it and then letting it pass however mm. you're going to do that, whether it's through training, whether it's through reading, whether it's through painting or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's always, it's always plagued me. Um, just a. I think I like to put myself in high pressure situations to get the best out of myself, but then that the that contributes the byproduct to... of that, yeah, is mm. that it it then adds to that 
Right. And I was gonna that's what I was gonna ask you is have you been able to identify sort of those triggers as to what might be, you know, sort of behind that? A lot of the time it's always been around losing control of like finance. Right. When I feel like things are I don't have it under control, mm. then things start to um, pop up. But I mean, that can even stem from not feeling creative. Right. I mean, at the moment, um, we're having our house renovated. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're like, yeah, we've managed to buy a house, generational wealth, you know, setting up the kids and that kind of stuff. But then mm-hmm. renovating is, I don't wish it on anyone. <laughs> it's <laughs> a whole other ball game, isn't it? It's so long. And then, Naisha staying with her parents with Ezra. I'm staying at my parents with Elijah. Right. And then we're trying to navigate that. I don't have a space to create stuff. My mm. stuff's in storage, clothes are in storage. And it's just like, it just all mounts up. And then, then when I stopped feeling creative, then I was like, but creative creativity is what pays me. Right. So I need to be creative. Mm. I'm losing control. And then that triggers it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like that. There's a, there's a series of events that I guess kind of just culminate, you know, in, yeah. in, in you sort of like feeling this high level of anxiety, which I think is, yeah. is understandable. And it's, it's strange because on the one hand you'd, you'd say to someone, well, if you know that that's the situation, then, you know, why don't you prevent it? But when you look at, like you said that I remember seeing you guys post about, you know, buying the house, yeah, and then I saw very quickly that you you know you knew it was a project you, you yeah. knew you were going to renovate, but then following your stories and you're saying, okay, I knew I was going to be renovating, but I didn't realise that yeah. the guys who had wallpapered so many layers on the wall had done so <laughs> because they're hiding what's going what's actually going yeah. on behind the wall, and that's that's a horrible thing, you know, when you, when we're, when you become a homeowner and you start having to to deal with those things yourself. And then you're at the situation now, I'm guessing, where, you know, once you've uncovered it, it's not like you can just go, let's just stick some wallpaper. Exactly. <laughs> once, you, once you know that it's there, you now know that that's your responsibility and you've got to take care of it. Yeah. And it's got to be dealt with. And it wasn't part of the initial plan. Yeah. And, you know, that's a, a, a crazy cocktail of, you know, situations to be in. How are you guys navigating? You mentioned the, I was going to pick up on that because I know you, again, you've spoken about it on socials. I, I saw your YouTube video that was very clickbaity, I must say. I, I, I panicked <laughs> when I saw that you guys weren't together anymore. I was like, I, I was already there, like ready to, to start start writing a long dip, bro, it's okay. You know, you can figure this out. <laughs> I thought, let me, just, let me just watch the video first. I'm so glad I did. <laughs> um, how are you navigating this brief period of time at the moment where, you, you know, just because it makes sense for you guys that you, you, you are kind of living a little bit separate? Um, I mean, it's hard, but again, we have a system. So, right. um, you know, I'll deal with Elijah in the mornings and that's normally what happened anyway. I, so I like right. do the school run. Um, and then, you know, I get my bits of work done. I'll train and whatnot. Um, Naish will then you know, get the food for the day or whatever with Ezra and then go and pick up Elijah. And then he'll come, they'll come back to my parents where Elijah will do his homework and just any other little bits. And then I then take him to his clubs. 
Mm-hmm. And then whilst I've taken two of his clubs, Nigel um, cooked dinner. And then, yeah, so we, we still we still have a way of doing it. It's just kind of long. Yeah. 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 There's there's a, a, a occasional meetings and then you go off and do your separate things and then kind of come yeah. together. So um, it seems as though systems are things that work well for you guys. And, you know, yeah. think, as in any relationship, you know, you've just got to kind of work. Once you've decided that that's going to be the setup, I guess you, you've got to make it work, haven't you? Yeah. You mentioned earlier about fitness and, you know, sort of getting into, you know, training and stuff like that. Now, fitness is obviously always, for those that have been following you, will know that it's been a part of your journey for a very long time. Where, where did your love of fitness begin? Do you remember? Um, I think I was maybe five or six and I just, I liked running. <laughs> mm. I just, I just liked running and I remember in primary school, um, a sports day where I just like, I just wanted to do everything. I wanted to do high jump, I wanted to do long jump, came with a gold. Like they had to make like a separate plaque because I just won everything. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and yeah, just, I just love moving. I've always had a lot of, a lot of energy. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why when I look at Ezra and Elijah, I'm like, they're just carbon copies of that energy. But then Naisha was the same as well, to be fair. Right. And how have you, obviously you've, I mean, you've, you've done fit. There's, there's people that do fitness. You've gone to the highest level. You've been involved in like high level sports. You mentioned American football earlier. Um, I know you've done bodybuilding. Where are you sort of sitting at the moment in terms of fitness? Cause I noticed something that you said the other day about sort of getting back into the gym for the first time in a while. Where are you yeah. at with it these days? Yeah, because I mean that was almost forced upon us. Because I mean, when we were renting, I had my home gym, and that was right. like that was bliss. I could just wake mm. up, go straight in there. It was my sanctuary, and then mm. obviously that's um, had to go. Um, and I think just prior to that, I went and did a trip, a press trip, where we did ice climbing and bouldering. Right, and then bouldering, I was just like wow <laughs> I was like, this is amazing so as soon as I got back from that trip fact there was one local to me and I signed up and didn't look back mm. and then it started to become quite refreshing to not lift weights in a sense right. um but still have something that challenged me physically mentally um mm. and then yeah so when I was like I want to get back in the gym it was like a a big hiatus of like, just, I mean, I hadn't physically been in a public gym mm. for two years. I hadn't right. been in a gym for like six months. Right. So our anxiety went. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Because as you say, you, you, that's something that you were so used to doing and so regular and, and, and whatever, but even just that short break, relatively mm. short break, just does does have an impact i guess and i felt like the new kid at school right <laughs> like, stepped in like with my backpack <laughs> hey guys <laughs> i'm sure I'm, anyone that's seen you know, will know that compared to co- compared to some of the new guys that would have been in the gym you, you would have looked like the expert you'd have looked like the, the veteran you'd have been like the guy who's uh who's, who's had to stay back a few years because he's like you know he, he keeps having to repeat a year um but it's you know again interesting isn't it that as i say you know something that you've been doing regularly 
still kind of comes with that feeling of you know getting back back into things and yeah. uh, and working so you're you're now a, a dad of two obviously you you do go on to to have Ezra we didn't specifically talk about that at that time period there you mentioned earlier that you're done yeah. is that just yeah. because you you you're 100% know that your family's done I mean at this moment in time I say this now um <laughs> I don't know what the conversation is going to be like next year but as it stands right now no like the those two have so much energy like they have a it feels like we have quadruplets like it's just it's a lot it's, it's just constant and I'm like <laughs> I can't I can't deal with another one like <laughs> with yeah. the same energy like if it's a calm one that just kind of like very chill kind of cool all right well yeah. This is where this is where if you could pick the characteristics, I think people would just have kids constantly. But you know, yeah. you are literally <laughs> you, you do not know what you're going to get. But it sounds as though there's a theme here. I, I imagine that if you guys were to have any more children, they would be just as active. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and how do you how do you manage that? Because I know that uh, Elijah is it karate that Elijah does? Uh, Jujitsu. Jujitsu. Okay. Yeah. And how's he finding that? He is he's turned a corner in that massively. Um, and I found it really good because I've been able to kind of teach him lessons about, um, you know, just being strong, um, accepting feelings, you know, like he got headbutted once or by mistake and he got overwhelmed and started crying. And it's like, it's fine to cry, but we need to finish. Mm. so it's like you know acknowledge that that hurt why did it hurt but we need to move forward and last what well, yes was it yesterday yeah yesterday session <laughs> i felt sorry for the kid the kids that he <laughs> was sparring against so i was like <laughs> because i just gave him a bit of advice like it's when it comes to jujitsu and martial arts it's not about being angry the angry guy my mom always said empty barrels make the most noise it's not about yeah. being the one that's most boisterous and, you know, just get angry. It's about knowing your capabilities and being intentional with your moves. Yeah. And I said, if you're going to grab him, you do it intentionally. If you're going to move him, you do it intentionally. And he just destroyed the kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> to the point where the, the kid, I've never seen in sparring of that age group, kids mm-hmm. tapping out. He was tapping out just from, and it wasn't a choke hold. It wasn't anything. He just he had enough. And I was like, from that, I, I, I said to him afterwards, um, I said, do you know what character is? And he was like, no. And then I explained it to him. And I was like, what you did was a good show of a strong character. Right. You're, you're developing and you're showing that, you know, under pressure, you might falter, but when you come back from it, you're learning and you're pushing through. Mm. And I, I, I love like, that's why I love martial arts and stuff because it gives me a chance to be able to teach those lessons. I think that's amazing that you're able to have, you know, that conversation sort of after something like that, because I think that's again, really, really important for us as, I mean, parents in general, but certainly as fathers, I think just having those open and honest conversations with your kids is is what's so important even where you mentioned before about you know explaining that it's it's okay to cry and you know for him to sort of feel that pain or, or whatever it might be I feel as though again huge 
generalization here, but generationally, mm. I, I do think we've turned a corner there. I, yeah. I think that there's there's something yeah. to be said for this next generation. And some would argue, oh, you know, now we're going to be raising this generation of kids that are just all about their feelings. Well, I'm like, but if they are all about their feelings, that's not a bad thing. No. <laughs> because we've seen the negative that can come when people don't consider their feelings and bottle things up and, you know, are very angry individuals. And, you know, we, we just don't want that as, you know, for our kids and so I think that's, I think you to be again commended there just for, you know, turning what is essentially just another after school activity into mm. something that can actually be a, a life lesson. And he'll, yeah. he'll probably continue to flourish, you know, because of that. So something I wanted to talk about with you now is the topic of social media. Obviously, you're a, an avid user of social media. You spoke earlier a little bit about, you know, being a creative and I definitely, you know, that word content creator, I think definitely describes the, the type of stuff that you do. When did you kind of get into social media and, and realize that it was something that, you know, you could actually do and make money from? So I went self-employed in 2012. Um, and from the jump, I was like, I want to be a personal trainer. And the guy that I kind of started, well, there were three guys I started the company with. Uh, one was a videographer and he was a tech guy. And he was like, yo, let's, showed me a guy called Chris Jones, showed me his videos on YouTube. And he was like, you can do stuff like this. And I was like, hmm. all right, let's run it. So, um, you know, I put out the first video, how to deadlift and just like tutorial type stuff. And I think the main aim was when I was back in uni and when I started like weightlifting, I didn't know anything and mm. we were broke. We, we didn't have money for personal trainers and stuff like that. We were just trying to like learn everything about supplements. And I was like, let me see if I can put just simple things out there that people can just watch and be like, yeah, I've learned something that I didn't have to pay for. Um, mm. And then that kind of just blossomed from there. Like uh, myself and that guy, we parted ways. I won't go into that story, but um, <laughs> we parted ways. And then Naisha bought me my first camera. So then I continued with like just making videos and stuff, started making more videos with her. And it just became fun to mm. make content. Like it wasn't, obviously I knew that there was going to, there could potentially be some monetary gain from it, you know, being right. a YouTuber and, and whatnot. But it was the process of making content just was amazing. Like coming up with a concept, going out and filming it, editing is my game. And mm. I was like, yeah, this is amazing. And you hit upload and then you start seeing people like watching it. And it's like, oh, okay. And then it just kind of blossomed from there. And um, yeah, just I just didn't stop. I then became, one of my traits is if I find something really interesting, is I then become obsessed by it. Right. Very and I need similar. to find <laughs> everything out about it. I need to know X, Y, Z, LMNOP. I need to everything. <laughs> yeah. And I became so obsessed with it. I was just like analytics and trying to find this and then trying to find growth strategies and stuff like that. Um, that I just, yeah, it just became what I did. And I just kept mm. drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling until that one video hit and then the game changed for me. And 
it's really interesting when you when a lot of people talk about that time where they just become like almost a student of the game they call it you know they, they just mm. want to learn everything about a particular thing and i think what's always stood out to me is that i can tell that you have fun with the style of you know content that, that you put out there um it's always nice to see someone that's you know doing paid work particularly on instagram and yeah. actually kind of treating it almost as if it were a job and that, you know, they're putting yeah. their best efforts forward. You know, I always like seeing those ad campaigns where someone's just thought a little bit outside the box and, you know, maybe even I'd say maybe push the boundaries a little bit in terms of, you know, the, the type of, con you know, what brands are like, they're like, it's got to be filmed a certain way and edited this way. And you've got to say it this style or whatever, but you just yeah. seem to have a, a, a unique <laughs> way of kind of putting it across in a way that's, your style but actually gets the message across and i, I yeah. think that's again like just just one of the reasons i enjoy sort of following following your journey how do you find that that world of social media because it's obviously you know part of of something that, that you do and you've mentioned obviously the challenges that you've had in terms of like time management in relation to the renovation and the impact that that's had but just social media in general how, how do you find being in that world um it's an interesting place you know you put out too much too much of your thoughts then people are ready to chop you down uh, it's made me realize that no matter what you do people are always going to say something mm -hmm. um and it's just i guess one of those things that i've had to over the years had to learn how to navigate how i consume content mm -hmm. um Someone, I did a, what was it? I did a talk with a couple other guys and I said, sometimes we consume so much content, but how can you consume so much content as a creator? It's like being a businessman and constantly just spending money. Mm. Like, where are you making the money? Um, yeah. So I think it's when I started to look at where the line is of, you're on it too much because now you're, I don't know, comparing yourself too much or mm. you're, you're now thinking that your work isn't good enough. Then I'm like, mm, I need to take a step back. And often yeah. I'll cross over into that, into that um, side of the world and I have to pull myself back mm. and then realize that, you know, I mean, not being, I won't, not being cocky or anything, but I, I don't think many people, when it comes to ad campaigns can do what I do. And the, the mm. reason I put so much effort, like you said, is because I don't necessarily see it as a job. I see it as a privilege. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm privileged to be able to, a brand has come to me and said, I want you to show this product in the best way possible with your voice. And I'm like, don't give me, don't give me like, Give me full creative control and let me run what I do. And I will, mm. I will present you something that you'll be like, yeah, like I, I, I can't, I, that's, that's, that's it. Um, yeah. Because they're putting, they're putting money forward. So mm. I have to put my best foot forward. And, you know, that, that's a privilege in itself. I mean, 10 years ago, you could never even say to someone, I'm going to make a piece of content and put it on social media and then get paid for it. It's wild. No. It's and and I think 
that's the shift that we've seen in social media, even in the sh- relatively short time that I've been operating in the parent. I've, no, I've been in social media for years and years and years, but in the parenting space, particularly for like nearly four years, I think when I first joined it and I could see the way that people were with their campaigns, you know, I think there was that initial period where lots of people were taking pride in it. Then because it became the norm, it almost felt like people were then started to get quite lazy with the content. Yeah. You know, it was just slapdash and, and, and put together. And then I think over the last couple of years, we've seen this resurgence where people like yourself are taking pride in what they are doing. Yeah. And I think it does, it just elevates things because, you know, I think people, I've, I've seen comments underneath your post before where people are saying that they just, you know, they, they just love this or, you know, this could have been on TV or whatever. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the goal, isn't it? At the end of the day, when, you know, yeah. you're producing something, you, you want it to, as you say, paint, paint the brand in, in the best light. But it's interesting there that even then you mentioned just measuring that, that time that you spend and dedicate on social media. Cause yeah. it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? It can consume you. If you let it consume you, it will eat you alive. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I think there's, we, we talk sometimes about the rush that people get from social media. You mentioned that first time you, you hit your upload button and then you just watch the re- the results coming in. And I think that rush, particularly when people are saying nice things, that's, that's yeah. amazing. You know, that, yeah. that feels incredible and, and you want more of that. And I think then when you see something or someone that says something that's a little bit left, that then also has a really bad derailing effect. You know, I've, I've, that, that I've been can, there. One bad comment could erase a thousand good comments. And that's straight so strange, away, isn't it? Yeah. It's like <laughs> scrolling through YouTube comments and someone's like, like everyone's like, oh, great information. They've, they've watched the videos, they've timestamped stuff. Oh, this was great what you said. One guy says, yeah, you look good on steroids, mate. What? <laughs> and then... <laughs> I forget to reply to everyone else that's left nice messages and I go off on this one guy. I was like, how did... I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Step away. <laughs> Step away. <laughs> and, and that's the point that I think we've all got to get to, isn't it? You know, just knowing that even as, as content creators, as influencers, whatever you want to call this this thing that, that we do, it's just knowing the limits and knowing, as you say, yeah. when to, to step away. And I think when you get that right... It can be, that's where things are able to kind of still stay fun and enjoyable. Yeah. Once you start ignoring those times, that's when, unfortunately, you're back in that situation where actually it feels like a job and you're not enjoying it and yeah. things then then suffer as a result. It's been amazing talking to you. I've loved this chat. Something that we do to end each conversation is I've got two questions for each of my guests and I'd love to, to get your, your answers on these. The first one is if you were to look back on your time as a dad so far as a series of diary entries, mm-hmm. what's that one moment that would stand out to you? I think, yeah, there is the moment that I realised how emotionally intelligent Elijah was. Right. So this was actually for a brand campaign. And as part of it, I wanted to um, take him to a farm. And it was just, I was, the whole premise of it was me talking about like what he wanted to do for a job. But just before that, (laughs) 
we were walking around, I was filming and he was like, oh, look, an owl. And then um, I was like, yeah, it's an owl. Then he was like, oh, but he looks sad. I was like, okay, zoomed in on him. I was like, what do you mean? Why does he look sad? He's like, because he misses his family. And I was like, nah, this boy is two and, what was it? He was three. Right. And I was like, wow. Wow, to look at, look at a bird in a cage who everyone just goes and walks around and says, wow, look at this majestic creature. I'm so lucky to, to witness this. And he's like, mm. oh, but he's sad because he doesn't have any family around. To have that mm. sense of family at such a young age and to understand that, you know, everything has family. And I was just like, yeah, that, that is, that one hit me hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... And you almost feel proud when, when your kids yeah. come out with things like that, don't you? Because you're just like, obviously, once you do the exploring and find out where that's, you know, come from and, and whatever. But just as you say, for them to be thinking on that, that deeper level. Yeah. It, it kind of makes you feel like you're doing all right, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah we're, we're doing a good job. We're doing a good we're job. Doing a good job. <laughs> and now every time, every time I see, every time I hear, we've actually got an owl that lives somewhere near, in a, lives near us. And every time I hear that owl now, I'm going to be thinking about, where's your family? <laughs> I'm going to take, I'm going to do a recording and I'll, I'll send it to you just for it, just, just so you can share with Elijah. That's amazing. And the, the second question is, again, playing on this diary theme is, are there any dates? Is there a date or are there any dates in the diary that you're looking forward to this year? So the day the renovation is done. <laughs> and do you, the, do you have moment, a date for that yet? <laughs> um, it's looking like the first week of May. So not long to go. There's an impact on the kids with this mm. situation. Less so on Elijah, because because he's older, he understands a bit more. But when, say, Naisha's parents are away for the weekend and we all stay together, there's a huge shift in behavior with right. Ezra. And mm. I think like that whole, okay, now we're together. Okay, now we're not. Okay, now we're together. Right. Now we're not. It's like, it's probably starting to take its toll a little bit. So yeah, that date, once, <sighs> once we take our stuff out of storage, we walk into our house, it's fresh like that. That's mm. <laughs> that's all I'm waiting for. And I'm that's... not leaving my house for the next six months. <laughs> you, you'll take another lockdown. You're like, I want to yeah. stay in. I want to stay in. I want to enjoy enjoy everything yeah. that, uh, that, that we've done here. Well, I, I will certainly be following a, along the journey. I know that you've got the um, you've got a separate home account, haven't you, on, on Instagram as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, what's that? What's that? Um, the Say's first home. The Say's first home. So if anyone's yeah. interested in following the progress of this journey, we will all be there waiting that first week of May with bated breath to, to make yeah. sure that it's all, <laughs> it's all gone to plan. Um, but no, I'm, I'm really enjoying watching that journey. I've, I've loved watching your journey over the last couple of years, and I'm so glad that we got to sit down and have this conversation. Long overdue. And, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's, it's been really good to speak. No, it's been awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Thanks for coming.